beautiful and incredible and inspiring and uplifting tish that we had last night. It was really, really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Um, I, uh, I want to speak a moment about Tubishvat because, of course, it's Tubishvat. And uh, we need to mention a little bit about the inyonim of Tubishvat. We've been speaking about the halachas, Batikas Toiloyim bugs, and uh, this morning we spoke about the inyon of Kedimus Abrochus. And I want and last night we, uh, we spoke about the Yushalmi, um, about how it is our job to enjoy all of the Rabbani Shalom's Gavaldiga creations. But I want to speak about food and fruit in general, just as a, a way of understanding what this is all about. We know that Tu Bishvat is the, as the Mishnah tells us clearly, Rosh Hashanah for the Elon, for the Elonites, for the trees. And it's an important thing sometimes to take a moment to stop and think. You know, so many times in our lives, we never actually stop and think. And we just continue to do things without ever stopping to think about what we're doing and why we do them. Tu Bishvat is such a beautiful opportunity just to stop, contemplate and understand the wonderful things that we have in our lives. It really, really is. It's really, really beautiful. There, there's a story once with uh, Rav de Miller, Zatzal. Rav de Miller was someone that really understood this concept on such a high level. I, um, one of my, my, my shkiach and yeshiva, Rav Nech Olovik Shlita, should live and be well, he was a Talmud of Rav de Miller. And I remember him one time in the middle of a vad. A vad is when you get together with a group of people and you work on something. So he took, then was, you know, nowadays you have all these fancy uh, recorders, but he took an old-fashioned Walkman, right? You remember the Walkman with the cassette tapes, the ones yeah. that you wind with the pencil when the wire comes out? <laughs> so I still have them at home. I still use them, whatever. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay. So so he took it and he, he examined it for a moment because he was like, wow, look how, look how well it's been designed. Now, of course, it's been designed by human beings, but who gave them the Chochmah? Obviously, the Rabbani Shalom. And, you know, he was a real Talmud in that sense that he learned to appreciate so many of even the small things in life. So there's a story that Ravig de Miller walked into a grocery, Moish. He walked into a store where they sold fruits and vegetables and all sorts of things, okay? And, and he actually just stood there, okay? Yakatsvi, he just stood there. And somebody came in and said, Rabbi, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like you're just standing there staring. Are you, like, do you have a thought that you're like contemplating what's going on? So Rabbi Devana said, no, I'm looking at the most beautiful fruit and I'm just saying in my head, thank you Hashem for giving us such beauty. The Rabbi Shalom could have given us one fruit that would have covered everything. But no, the Rabbi Shalom gave us apples and oranges and, 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 watermelons and, and pineapples and bananas and clementines and plums and there's so many things going on and each one has its own color and its own texture and its own taste and its own beauty. Ravik Miller said that, I just want to observe the Rabbi Nishram's creations. In fact, I mentioned this last night, the Chodesh Salavavos the Chodesh Salavavos says in Shara B'china, how do we know when we look at the world that the Rabbi Nishram made the world? How do you know? You look at the world, how do you know? He said, simple. Just look at the Rabbani Shalom's creations. Take a moment to look at the Rabbani Shalom's creations and see what he's made. You can see that. How do you not see the Rabbani Shalom in everything that he created in this world? It's a hard thing. But it's something that we have to stop and contemplate, and that's Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat is an opportunity to be able to stop 
and understand and realize what we have. They made an experiment, just by the way, uh, because we're talking about the color and the smell and the taste of different types of fruits. So there was a scientific experiment that was conducted in order to understand what the effects of color and even aroma have on food to a person's tasting experience. Moish. Yeah. So what they did was as follows, Rabbi Sal, listen carefully. They made an incision in a dog's neck and they actually offered it a potato. Now, the, the, um, the dog rejected the potato. The scientist then offered a red apple. And all of a sudden, juices started to flow from the dog's neck because that's the juices that cause our mouth to water. Now, he didn't taste it. He just smelled the aroma. They came out from that scientific experiment that just the smell of fruit, just the smell of anything, can cause certain reactions in a person's body. It's an amazing thing that the Rabbinism created fruits, vegetables, and so many things with not only their own color and their own shape, but also their own texture and their own smell in that case. And the Rabbinism didn't have to do that, by the way. The Rabbinism could have just made one apple the same color and say, here you go, guys, here's fruit. But no, the Rabbinism wanted us to enjoy life. He wanted us to see the vibrancy, the, all the different colors that we can have. And that's amazing. Just imagine, by the way, if you had the ability to purchase a tremendous amount of food, store it in your basement for many, many years, okay? Including everything. Not just wine, but milk, cheese, bread, everything that you want. You could just store it for years and years and years in the basement. Isn't, wouldn't that be Gavaldic? You wouldn't have to go shopping. You wouldn't have to produce bread. You wouldn't have to do anything because for years and years you wouldn't have to worry about what you're going to eat, and if they're going to run out of food, and what's going to be with this, and the prices of eggs are going up, nothing I have to worry about. Just put them in the basement. For the next five years, I'm good, right? But the Rabboni Shalaylam, if you'll notice, did not create food in that way. Yes, Baruch Hashem, we have fridges, we have freezers. We are able to preserve a lot more nowadays than they were able to do years ago. But even with all that, there's a limitation to everything. The Rabboni Shalaylam, if you think about it, created food in a way that it cannot be stored. Most foods are not good and cannot even be, according to, for most of them, be stored for large amounts of time. Why? Because the Rabbani Shalom specifically created food that does not last so that what? So that we have a relationship with Hashem. What does that mean? That means the following. The first Aveira in the Torah was the Nachosh, the snake. The snake caused Chava to do the very first Aveira. And the repercussions, the punishment that the snake got was what? Hashem said, you are now going to remove your legs. You're going to be a serpent. You're going to be a snake crawling on the ground. Now, if you think about it for a moment, if you're an animal, to be on the ground the whole time and have the food available all the time is one of the greatest brachas that you can have. He doesn't have to look for his food. He doesn't have to pray. Everything is right there. He slithers on the ground. He gets whatever he wants. That's a bracha. That's wonderful. That's amazing. We're the ones who have to work for our food. So what's shout? What was the klala? What was the curse that the snake got by slithering across the ground without any legs? It sounds like a great thing for an animal just to have your food available the whole time. The answer is very simple. Okay? I'll give you two examples. Example number one. When I was renting my apartment a number of years ago, 
my Baldira, who owned the apartment, used to call me the morning of Rosh, of Rosh Chodesh. Like, straight away after the Shachas. You got the money? Y- yes, I've got the money. I just give me a few minutes to take off my tefillin, and I will, you know, it's okay. So I decided, instead of him bugging me, I'm going to do a great thing. I'm going to give him two months in advance. This way, for two months, I'm good. I don't want to hear from him. He's not going to call me up. No bocha making noises at night. It's going to be fine. It's going to be gavaldic. For two months, I don't have to hear his voice. Bye, really. That's gavaldic. Okay? I don't want to hear from him. I give him two months in advance. If when you leave yeshiva, when you leave your home to go to yeshiva, your father could do one of the two things. He can either say, here's $100, and you'll be like, $100? Um, this is not going to last me too long. Okay? What's he going to say to you? Say no. When it's finished, you'll call me. Or you could say, here's... Uh, I'm not going to get involved in people's budgets over here. A thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, whatever it is. I'll see you at the end of the year, man. Enjoy your year. What does that mean? That means he doesn't want to have a relationship with you. Here's the money. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your year. But if he wants a relationship with you, he's going to make sure that you keep on coming back to ask for money. When the Rabbi Shalom told the snake, you're going to have your food whenever you want it, that means he doesn't want a relationship with the snake. Here's your food. Enjoy it. I don't want to hear from you again. Human beings, Klali Shor specifically, he doesn't give us our food in that way. He doesn't give us our food that we can get it whenever we want, whenever we want, however we want, to last forever. He wants us always to have to work for it, whether it's to make the money to buy the food or physically to produce the food, cooking it, whatever it may be. Huh? No. And therefore, what we're saying is, that when the Rabbi Nishram does that, it's because he wants a relationship with us. It's because he wants to hear from us. So therefore, specifically, he creates food in a way that we constantly have to say, Hashem, I need food, I need parnasa, I need money, I need work. Because he wants and craves that relationship with every single one of us. And Rabbi Nishram, if you'll think about it, that's Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat is for us to stop and think and realize what we have in our lives, how much good we have in our lives, and what the fruit that we eat on Tu Bishvat represents. Rabbi Sol of Chotkova, the Heilige Chotkova, made a tish, committing of many rebbers on Tu Bishvat, and he would, he would say over the following Torah, he would say that we know, Chazal tell us, it's a Mishnah, that Tu Bishvat is a Rosh Hashanah Ilonois. So he said, it's an inappropriate time to think about our relationship with Hashem. Because if there's a Rosh Hashanah in the world, it applies also to us. There's a Metzius of a Rosh Hashanah, of a new start, of a fresh start. And therefore, to examine our relationship with the Rabbi Nishalaylam. And he explains in the Tferis Yisrael, Yismach Yisrael, Yisvarim, that we have to examine our fruits and figure out how did they come to be. Right? A seed was planted in the ground, it eventually softened, it eventually rot, it sprouted roots, Eventually a stem, eventually a tree, eventually a fruit. It was picked, it was transported, it was stored, and now you get it. The amount of work that it took for one fruit all came from the Rabbi Nishalolam. That's what we have to contemplate and realize and thank the Rabbi Nishalolam. On Tu Bishvat, Rosh Hashanah Le'ilonis, it's a Shikavaldic opportunity, as I said on Shabbos, from the Halikas Vasemes, that we find the Shabbos Shira, right before Tu Bishvat, the Sefer Torah changes. The way that they write the Oz Yashe, the Shira, is different to the rest of the Torah. So the Halikas Fasela said the way the Torah is written is different. That means that we can all be different in our lives. Don't take life for granted. Don't take our food for granted. Don't take everything we have in our lives for granted as well. 
Everything is special. Everything should be appreciated. Everything we have should be thought about and understood where it came from. How did it get to me? Thank Hashem for everything. It's the greatest gift that we can do because all of us know when you give someone a gift and they don't say thank you, you probably don't want to give them another gift. But when you give someone a gift and they thank you and they thank you, you're more likely to give them another gift. And when we say thank you to the Rabbi Nishalayim for giving us our lives, our livelihood, our food, our sustenance, to keep us alive, our breath, our air, everything, our health, then Hashem says, you're thanking me, I just want to keep on giving you. Be'ez Hashem Rabbi said, there's two bishvah, should be a two bishvah, where all of us will be machazik together. Be'ez Hashem had a beautiful tish last night, we were fabringing, we were singing, we were dancing, it was beautiful. It was really, really nice. If you have an opportunity to get a fruit, to get something, before you make that bracha, whether it's on a shahako, whether it's hadoma, ha'etz, whether it's a mazon, it's ha'moitzi, it's irrelevant. As we said this morning, the Maral says a bracha is an opportunity to thank Hashem. Thank Hashem for your lives. Thank Hashem for everything you have. Appreciate that which we have. And Be'ez HaShem, the Rabbani Shalom, will continue giving us for many more years to come.